We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Hey, let's connect. I want to hear from you. Which episode has been impactful? Is there anyone in your network that you think I should be interviewing on this show? I definitely want to connect with you. LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me on. Make sure to send a note with your connection request that references this show. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. Today's guest is Brad Herda. Brad has been supporting and improving the lives of those around him for over four decades. He has brought perspective and context into every role he has had. Having been in manufacturing for most of his adult career, he has forged relationships by learning what matters to the people. In doing so, Brad was able to master the art of change management, working with family-owned blue-collar businesses as a customer and supplier Brad understands both sides of the industry, creating growth and wealth. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lori, for having me today. I appreciate uh, the warm welcome. Well, it's a fantastic intro that I'm able to share. Glad to have you. Um, so in your line of work, you, you do a lot with regards to accountability and really setting expectations. Can you speak to our listeners a little bit about why it's so important to have set expectations and accountability? It's important for multiple reasons. When you look at it from a business owner's perspective, it's important to know what your team is is going to accomplish. Not so much the task that they need to do, but what are the results that you're looking for and clearly communicating that expectation. Because as humans, we really don't want to disappoint people. That's really not in most people's nature as a disappoint or upset. So when we have clear expectations, we know what we're working towards on a regular basis. So we're clear on what we need to achieve. We know what others are expecting from us. And it makes life just so much easier to know. If you knew what you were expecting for dinner every night, if it was planned out every night uh, for the rest of your life, that conversation that happens of what's for dinner and that whole big mess that happens in many, many households, just it doesn't happen because you know you have a plan. You know what the expectations are. Um, and it just makes life a little bit easier when you know what the expectations are. And accountability? On the accountability side, it is important to allow us to know as, as employees and or as owners what you're accountable to do, what that result really means. So if you're accountable to make sure that um, – you know, the driveway gets poured and it's finished to customer satisfactions. If you're a, a concrete guy, well, okay. You now know what you're accountable for and, and what that responsibility looks like. And you're given the authority along with that accountability to make sure that you can deliver those results. And that's where a lot of disconnect ends up happening is we tend to give the um, accountability without necessarily the authority to make those decisions or make use the resources appropriately to, to allow the result to happen. So when you go into an organization and, and identify that these are some of the pains, 
what is quickly the turnaround that when, when you see business owners start enacting expectations and accountability as far as the challenges that they're experiencing with their business? The first challenge is to get the owners to understand what the expectations first are from a results perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, most are so task-focused. I want you to make 30 calls a day. I want you to um, see 10 customers. I want you to um, pick 15 lines of of um, orders every hour. Um, so we're fo- so focused on the task that we lose focus on what the result is. And that's where we start stemming the creativity problem to allow people to be creative solution problem solvers. So the first step is to get the owner to think about the results. Once they define the results and they get them documented and we get the position agreement and alignment and have the employee employer conversation, there's this big weight lifted off of people's shoulders because they now know what's expected and they come into work and they do that thing to, to focus on those results. And they, the noise and the garbage that everybody goes and works on every day goes away. It doesn't necessarily go away. It just, it gets refocused into more positive energy because we're not focusing on the minutia. We're focusing on the bigger picture and the larger result instead of the, did you make the 25 phone calls? Um, no, I made 15 phone calls, but I got, you know, $300,000 worth of proposals written with those 15 phone calls. So the number of phone calls didn't matter. The proposal writing was what mattered. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense to dig deeper into some of what is, what is the goal that they're trying to achieve? Absolutely. And then what are the tactics or the plan that needs to be fleshed out in order to achieve that? And how we're going to make sure that it's clearly communicated and accounted for. Right. And, and when we find out what that problem, what the result that we're looking for, if we, there are some things you have to do, right? There's laws, there's systems, limitations, there's things that you, so you have to kind of play inside of a box, but at least keep the box top open to allow for creative solutions to trying to achieve that result. Um, if you tell somebody they have to make 30 calls from this list every day, you're missing out on opportunity for them to drive business through their network, through other ways and means through, you know, they happen to be at the grocery store and ran into Phil who happens to know Johnny who made the introduction. Um, you lose out on that opportunity because they're just focused on making the call list, not focused on trying to achieve the greater goal. Let's, let's switch the conversation a little bit. You know, you and I are both um, heavily supportive of the manufacturing industry, and there's this major challenge that's faced with regards to recruiting and attracting, especially that Gen Z crowd. So how can companies go about and do a better job of, of getting that audience to want to work within that organization? Right. So this may sound really weird, but the Gen Z kids that are, are 24 and younger right now, um, they will likely be as loyal as the boomers were if you give them a reason to be loyal. So being able to set your expectations, show them a career path. Yep. You might start them at $12, $13 or minimum wage enactment at 15 or whatever that number is. But if you can show them the path to get from A to B to C to D over a period of time, they will stay and they will have a sense of purpose and they will know what they're working towards and why they're working and what they're working for versus <clears throat> historically, many will say, Hey kid, come in here, go do the slop work. 
uh, in 30 years, you'll be a master machinist and, um, you know, good luck to you. Kids today aren't looking at 30 years. They're looking at two, three, five years. So if you can show them the path to go from 12 to 15 to 20 to 25, and that's where the results-based activity and where that results-based product, um, I shouldn't say product, the results-based accountability aspects of running your business can now show them how to get from A to B much sooner because maybe you have a, uh, maybe you're a manufacturing guy and, you know, your machinist quality rate might be, uh, you know, 400 PPMs, parts per million uh, defect. If somebody can run it at two, well, they're worth more to your company. So pay them more, right? Show them the results. If they can demonstrate consistent results over and over again and bring value to the organization, they should be, they should be rewarded accordingly versus time and seat. And that's going to be the biggest change for Gen Z is reward based on performance, not just wisdom, but performance uh, to start with and show them how to get there quicker and then slowly work in the wisdom piece of that because wisdom and performance typically are inverse of each other. Yeah. And I've seen that in other industries, probably more so in the professional services industries where they're building out a kind of a career path that says, you know, check these boxes and you will be able to advance to the next stage in your career, as opposed to work here for five years and you get three weeks vacation instead of two, right? Yes. Um, I was working with a client who is a distributor, you know, order fillers. Okay. Order filler one, two, and three. If you can perform at a higher, higher productive rate with less quality errors and, and provide a greater resource, well, then you should be paid more. But just because, you know, employee A decides they want to be in order fill three and maximize their revenue, somebody may want to stay at order filler one. That's comfortable for them. They don't want the extra pressure. They don't want to have to work that hard or whatever. But so you give people the opportunity to perform at A, B, and C versus having the expectation of everybody being an A. Um, and that's where it fails miserably for many of these manufacturers. They're all, they all want to hire A players. They just don't exist to go find them on a regular basis. So you need to find a way to bring young talent in, cultivate, teach, train, educate, to grow the pool of opportunity. And we get asked all the time, well, what if they leave? Okay, great. Then you've helped the industry. And that's, that's just as important because they may come back in five years when your business is ready to support them again. Yeah, that's an interesting challenge. And I remember facing that a few years back. And I've seen it even in our space that I, I unfortunately, it's the revolving door syndrome that is happening that, um, you know, you invest a lot of time and energy into training and giving them um, knowledge and resources and tools and experience. And then they're off to the bigger, better, more exciting opportunity. Um, and, and I was questioning, do I invest my time and energy into this, where they're going to take this knowledge and leave? Or do I just let mediocre happen? And I realized, you know, I want to, I want to put my best foot forward and be as much of a mentor and resource to my team to help them do their absolute best and their growth and where they are in the future ultimately is a reflection on the experiences that they've had here. So 
I, I right. opted to give as much as I can and train them. And like you said, try to build that roadmap that says, you know, if you do these things, you can proceed to this level, either within this organization or potentially somewhere else. Right. And that becomes a leadership philosophy from an organizational perspective. And I firmly believe that you want to invest in your employees to be the best employee possible and the best human possible so they can take their talents and resources wherever. Because you never know if a spouse or a family member or something happens where they need to move back home or do whatever. You want to put that person in the best position possible. And if your organization can't support their growth, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing um, because they will remember that. They will know that. They will refer others that are in their network or people they know, like, and trust as well to you as a opportunity say, Hey, you know what? Lori did a solid for me. She helped me and she propelled my career. You know what? Um, her niece, nephew, whatever, go talk to Lori. It'd be a great resource for you to, to at least see what happens. And you put those people out there that now become part of your supporting tribe. And that's from a leadership perspective is massively important. Yeah, I agree hundred percent with it. And it, I mean, the premise of the show is, is definitely networking. It's building relationships. And it's oftentimes you hear these amazing stories from our guests where someone they met 10 years ago turns out to be, you know, one of their biggest clients, but it just wasn't the right fit. And you don't, you have no idea where these people are going to go down the road. So why not give them the best possible learning experience that you can? Right. Cause you just don't know. And, um, to me, that was my leadership style was, you know, the employee, the employee wins, they win. If they failed, I failed. It wasn't the employee failing. It was me get by not setting up the right expectations or giving them the right accountability and authority to execute what they needed to execute. Um, and that's just, that's a philosophical difference. You have leaders out there that just want to maximize their own, their own career and through their own ways and means. And I find it better to maximize your career potential and your business potential through through your employees. Employees take care of customers. Customers take care of the of the business. Um, owners should be taking care of employees first. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, what's one of the biggest opportunities you see for companies today? It's it's the op- it's Gen Z, right? It's the the Gen Z kids are they learn different. They're quicker at getting many of tasks completed. Um, depending upon what the industry is, there are many things that are different. Um, Skilled trades, as an example, not as much exposure, not as much of that common sense application, but they've learned differently, but provided the right opportunities, they'll adapt. They are probably the most adaptable generation that I've I've seen uh, working within the FIRST Robotics organization and seeing their my kids grow up and what they've had to go through versus what some of my friends and that are younger than me and and myself had to go through far more adaptable, far more open to asking the question, why are we doing it this way versus being told to do something? You just did it even though you knew it was wrong. When I first entered the workforce, just do it this way. There was no questioning. You just went ahead and did it. And whether it was right or wrong, you just ground every day to, do what you did. Um, not a lot of fun. These kids are far more apt to connect. Uh, they are the largest connected generation on the planet. You know, Gen Z kid here in the U.S. versus Gen Z kid in Europe. 
They're probably more connected today and similar experiences from technology and resources and information than any other generation. So the world is wide open. And when you want to talk about networking, I mean, just think of all the gaming connections and all the other things as they enter the workforce. How do you connect resources? And oh yeah, they work over. It, it's just mind blowing how much opportunity there exists by bringing in young talent into an organization, but you gotta be willing to do it. You gotta be open-minded enough to say, I'm going to outbehave my competition. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's, you have to be disruptor differentiator from that perspective. And, and it has been a stagnant mindset on um, this is the way we've always done it. And, and you can't, you can't do that. We've already seen that in this world today <laughs> from a number of different angles. Right. I mean, in, in my opinion, the pandemic is as terrible as it has been from a, a health and mental health scenario. It has been the biggest boost to moving businesses forward from technology and thought process that I think we've ever seen, uh, at least in you know 200 years potentially um, because it forced everybody to think about their jobs and their roles and their businesses differently. How do they survive? And we got thrown into survival mode and we had to figure it out. And who helped figure it out? Well, the kids that were accustomed to technology didn't, it didn't really phase them. Sure. No problem. Work from home. Okay. No big deal. So um, great conversation. Great uh advice to offer. I think this is a, a solid time to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Bamboo Reach. Bamboo Reach, a division of Keystone Click, offers fresh, cost-effective websites and marketing services for the solopreneur and micro-business owner so they can confidently promote their business online. As a small business owner, you have a lot of expertise to offer your ideal customer. Let Bamboo Reach take the stress out of your website development and marketing messaging so that you can grow and focus on what you do well. Visit BambooReach.com to learn more. Brad, the purpose of the show is networking, which we've already established and, and kind of covered that topic on a couple of different points already. But my goal is to alleviate any fear, hesitation, uncertainty that someone may have when they hear this word. And I'm hoping you can do that by sharing with our listeners one of your favorite networking uh, experiences that you've had. Um, so one of my favorite networking experiences was actually uh, one of my most uncomfortable experiences. So one of the associations here in town uh, provides a, um, a women's event. Uh, I am not a woman in any way, shape or form, but I was intrigued by the content that was being delivered and it was open forum. Um, so I get to the event and I'm the only guy at the event. Um, I knew some people that were attending and different things, but it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a networking event. However, it was also one of the most rewarding because I had to um, put my biases down, my guard down, my, all those judgment things down and look inward into, hey, I am the one that's different in this room. How can I use that to my advantage to be able to create relationships and networking opportunities and use the difference as an opportunity versus the same um, people like being comfortable when they're in the same environment, but I was very uncomfortable and made some great connections and some great referral opportunities. And um, it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. And 
I would not change it for the world because it really changed my mindset about networking moving forward. Yeah, well, wow, that's that's interesting, and I'm I'm sure we can talk offline. I'm really curious what group that was that you were attending. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some more stories along that, but uh, I I like that you took the approach of it was something outside of your comfort zone, which it sounds like going into it, you did not know that was going to be the case, but it was when you got there, it was kind of that shock factor of, whoa, I'm the only guy well, in the room. <laughs> it was it was a massive shock factor. I'm like, okay, um, do I belong here? <laughs> um, I know I belong here because I remember the association. I'm told, yes, uh, gentlemen are welcome all the time. I'm like, okay, I figure they have a handful of guys or type scenario and you'd get, right, but no. Not even close. Um, <laughs> the only one, and it was, it was the first time I was ever that uncomfortable in, in an environment. But I had to embrace it and not walk out because if I'd walk out, it would be it would be terrible. So, got invited to the. I actually got invited to sit down at the speaker's desk. Cool. Because I was the only unique individual in the room, so to speak. So it had its privileges. So I leveraged that uniqueness and separation to be, to take advantage of it. Nice. Great. So regardless of the size of your network, um, it's really important to stay connected with them. How do you stay in front of and nurture your community that you've created? It's uh, lots of conversations through LinkedIn, uh, connecting on their posts, connecting and commenting on their posts, uh, if I happen to have Facebook connections with them as well, as an old person, Facebook is kind of the place where I go for social sometimes that are not professional. Um, stay connected there. And I've started leveraging my CRM, which you'll be happy to hear, Lori, um, to put in my task reminders to say, hey, I should really contact this person in four months to um, let's get together for lunch or let's have a cup of coffee or let's find out how the promotion went. Uh, those types of things. So leveraging a CRM tool to stay connected and put those reminders out there are very important. Uh, past colleagues, I will actually make phone calls um, every three to six months when I'm driving now in between because the drive time now is that opportunity to create the connection opportunity. Hey, uh, in a while, what's going on? And just get some industry update and opportunity and just stay connected to various businesses. Yeah, I've missed um, that drive time kind of thinking, casual conversation. So it's slowly coming back, I feel like right now, which is great. Yeah, that's uh, that was always my, who can I, who can I call that I haven't talked to in a while that uh, can potentially connect me to somebody or someone um, along the way? Or who, how can I help them? Because I haven't talked to them in three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you offer that business professional who's really looking to grow their network? Kind of funny. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a video on LinkedIn about the hard sell that happens on LinkedIn all the time. And, uh, which is disgusting, but yes. right. But the <laughs> biggest thing is be your authentic self, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you can be your authentic self and you're there to develop a relationship, I have no problem connecting with somebody on LinkedIn or having a 15 minute call it, just to get to know and understand their business and see what can happen. But if you're going to come out out of the gates blazing of a pitch me what you're going to sell me or 
you're just going to come out that way from the get-go. I don't want to talk to you. I, I don't need to be sold to. I may have people in my network that I can help you with, but I, I'm likely not going to be your buyer because you're selling me something that 4,500 other people have probably tried to sell me something. I already have somebody in my network from that perspective, but that doesn't mean I don't need somebody else to be a referral partner or network partner to fit a different niche or level or um, regional area potentially. I, so be, I mean, be authentic, 100%. be authentic and be pure in your intent. If you want to tell me you're going to sell me, then tell me you're going to sell me and we're not going to connect, but don't backdoor <laughs> that either. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Um, that's definitely one of my golden rules of, of networking. I have three of them and I'm trying to figure out if the golden rules is the right way to brand it or not. I don't know, but yes, be your authentic self, be genuine and authentic is at the top of the list. People can smell fake. They can see right through it and it's not going to get you anywhere. It's going to tarnish rather than, you know, make it a positive relationship. Right. And I think um, that's where I think lunch club has come into play to be kind of successful in that space. Um, it, it, it's two people that want to get together and there's, they want to meet and it's, uh, it's been a great resource from that perspective. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? And, and I'm, I love hearing about new, new groups that are out there. Or This one's been around for a little while, but I feel like I just heard about it. So I bet my listeners would be open to hearing more about that as well. Yeah. So launch club is a, um, online networking platform that allows you to select the types of people you want to meet and in the regions of the country or cities you want to potentially meet them in. And you select your time. As an example, it might be Wednesdays at four. And you say, hey, how many matches would you like? I'd like one match this week. Perfect. At four o'clock, you get your invite. You make the connection. You get online. Uh, it's two people that want to engage and have set aside that time for that half hour to, to figure out, talk, and learn. And not one of those connections has ever been selling. We get to talk about the business. We get to create opportunities. We get to find things, but we're not selling to one another. We're just learning about each other's businesses and trying to develop a relationship long-term. And uh, it takes away that some of that LinkedIn banter of, do you want to meet? Do you not want to meet? It takes away that, oh, should I ask the question? I'd really like to talk to you, but it's going to come off salesy. Uh, well, Lunch Club doesn't do any of that. It does. It's not there intended to sell. And the beauty about it is that after you're done, you get to rate how the match went. And if somebody's always selling, it's like kind of like kind of like rating your Uber driver. Uh, if you're always getting bad reviews, you're not going to get matched up very much. So uh, it, they've got built-in ways to try to keep the behavior um, successful so that people can continue to use the platform. I love that. I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm, I'm eager to dip my toe in the water there. Sounds like... Um... It sounds like it's worth it, actually, even though it does. There's not much of an investment associated with it, right? There's zero investment. I mean, it, there's zero investment. I believe you have to be invited to it. So I think that's the investment is finding sure. people that you may know to invite. Um, I made I made a spectacular connection of a gentleman out on the West Coast that is um, working on data and trying to figure out how to um, bring data and valuation and how, how much value data really means to people. And 
the example was Facebook, right? It's, it's book value of assets is worth, I don't know, pick some number, six billion, but their market cap is 940 billion or something ridiculous. And it's all because of the data. But does anybody believe the data is really worth that? I don't know. Nobody knows, but the market seems to think so. So how do you do that for smaller private companies? And they're working on that. So I've, I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. That is cool. Um, never would have had that opportunity to learn that or, and connect two other people to that individual to help him on his journey had I not been able to um, take that lunch club meeting. I feel like I should have him on this show. <laughs> he sounds fascinating not that you're not fascinating that just sounds really uh, interesting what he's doing. ho hum here i am ho hum am i am i am i, am I the eeyore of the show Lori? oh <laughs> woes me all, not at all come on um let's have a fun one now so if you could go back to your 20 year old self what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career um less judgmental as you went through and created relationships, less being posturing to be the smartest person in the room at times uh, that may have created some limited, some opportunities for me Um, going into rooms and judging people based on characteristics or different things without ever getting to know them, whether it was corporate world or networking in my current life or whatever it was, uh, may have created some limiting opportunities for me long-term as I look back on some situations. Yeah, that's interesting. And, 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 you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, especially with your favorite networking experience being, I'm, I'm the odd duck in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are many, many, many meetings I'd go in and meet people, uh, customers or suppliers or different people, and I'd sit there and judge whether or not they had value to what we were trying to accomplish, and that was the wrong approach. Um, understanding my behavioral style and communication style today, now I, I understand why I did what I did, and I wish I would have had more of that education earlier um, to have that self-awareness to be able to adapt and do things differently. Brad, we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you can do it within the six degree? Man, so this would be a person that's alive today, I would assume. Mm-hmm. I like the dead question better because I have those answers. Um, alive today to meet. Um I think it would be a fun conversation being a local guy to sit down with Bob Uecker to uh, have a half hour lunch and just listen to him ramble about change and how baseball is different and, and, and just listen to some of those old stories in, in a row versus an inning here and a inning here and over the course of an entire season. Um, just hearing some of that would be fantastic to be able to sit down with him and have that direct interaction. Could it be done within six? Yeah. Cause they're local and I'm confident that I've, I am confident I'm within six um, to Mr. Euchre. How, how would you start that journey? Um, I would probably start that journey within my Delaware, Delaware North network here locally and start within the organization from that from just connect from that perspective. 
Okay, now you know what the next thing is that I'm going to say. Right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> why not? What's holding you back? Um, because I, I, uh, I've had the, I've been blessed to be able to actually see him at a uh, spring training event. Okay. That's not that's not his jam. Yeah, right. That's not who he is. That's not what he does. Um, he does it. For, there's other ways to go about it, but it's through his his charter fishing events, his tournaments, those types of things. Sure. Um, he he doesn't want to. He, that's not his public persona. Got it. Cool. So so yes, that could potentially try to make that happen, but I'm co- just confident that's not going to happen from the receipt on his side of it. Cause it's, I've no others that have tried and tried and tried through much stronger connections than I, but that would be a, I think that'd be a very fun half hour, 45 minute conversation just to listen and just sit in the room and just listen to him hold court. <laughs> he's fun. He's so funny. I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me now. What's something you'd like to ask me? Um, what would I like to ask Lori? I'd like to ask Lori Hybe, why has social capital been a passion of yours? Um, that's an interesting question. I just love meeting new people and connecting with new people and everyone's background and life experiences are so unique and that's what makes them who they are. And that's when they come out with their genuine and authentic self, it's a much more positive, engaging experience because of their unique background and experiences. Um, And I'm an advocate for others, just supporting others in general. And I've, you know, serving others and, and letting people have the stage for a little bit. And I think that's something that's really fun with this specific show is, you know, giving people and there's been a number of guests that this is their first time they've ever been on a podcast and it's a great experience to to kind of spread your wings and and tell your story a little bit can i ask a second question sure how did your first training ride go for your 75 mile event (laughs) it was lovely (laughs) um i mean it was toasty out there's no doubt about that uh we we tried to go as early as we could but it was a 95 degree day so (laughs) Um, I saw that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, when you're training, you you can't, you got to keep doing it no matter what. So that's why I committed to it because I, I needed, there's, there's less excuses that can show up. <laughs> yep. No, that's great. I saw, I saw you guys going out and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Good for them. I'm glad they got, was there any terrain involved on that particular ride or was it more of a distance ride? It was distance. I mean, there's a couple of hills along because we were along the lakefront, um, you know, some some up and downs, but not too bad. I imagine our ride is going to be in Door County, Wisconsin, and uh, there's definitely going to be some some hills there. There are a lot. There are a lot of there are a lot of hills on that tra- on that path. So um, if you want a hill, Hillside Road out here by me, that's a well, I'll be exploring four, some new paths. <laughs> it's about it's about a four and a half mile uphill. Oh goodness. <laughs> Not really interested in that. I've got I've got some training to do before I'm comfortable doing that. Well, you know, if you want a challenge. <laughs> I'm up for a challenge, but I also want to not fall over and 
and just die. I need to function the next day, basically. <laughs> Understood. Just offering it. Just trying to help. Oh, speaking <laughs> of an offer, do you have an offer for our listeners today? Yeah. So one of the things that we have available, um, it's called the eight keys to building businesses that run themselves, you know, and many in the manufacturing blue collar space, they are so overwhelmed with day to day because they're the ones swinging the hammer or doing the work when somebody calls in sick that, um, you know, they're working that 60, 70 hours a week. And this particular giveaway through our website allows that opportunity to, to read a little bit and find the eight keys to build a business that runs itself. So that way you can, not be your own employee from day to day. You might still be your employee once in a while, but to work on removing yourself from that key employee role. And then um, how do people get this again? So you go to uh, my uh, Focal Point website. So it's bradherda.focalpointcoaching.com. And it's at the bottom of the page for eight keys to building businesses that run themselves. All right. We'll include all that information in our show notes. Do you have any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, Connect with me on LinkedIn. I I am more (laughs) than happy to connect with people on LinkedIn and have the opportunity to have a conversation. And my network isn't very, I I wouldn't say it's huge. Uh, However, I tend to be able to give somebody a connection or two or create the right connections or have the right conversation to find opportunity for somebody um, I, I love networking to give people opportunities to meet other folks. I went through my introductions list last year uh, and looking at it through my introduction piece and I 250 introductions last year. That you gave? That I gave to people from various networking events or opportunities to meet one another or, hey, I'm looking to talk to so-and-so about this. Um, so yeah, it was over 250 introductions that I made between people last year. So you, you log that? Uh, through my introduction emails, I keep my BCC email that comes with it. So I track those as I go through to see what I've done, because it's an important piece of, of my business is to give to gain, right? hundred percent. Wow. I should, I mean, that would be a really great, I have nothing better to do with my time, but audit my oh, emails you, to say. You got plenty of time, Lori. You got, <laughs> you, you got so much time on your hands. Your business is running on autopilot. Just you know, you're good. You got nothing else to do. Yep. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Brad, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you besides connecting on LinkedIn, any other way, um, or is that the best way to reach you? Um, It's probably the best way. Uh, Otherwise, email address is bherda at focalpointcoaching.com. Phone number I'm typically not going to answer if you're not in my contact list, it'll go to voicemail. But if you want to try to reach out on the phone, it's 414-852-4224. I'm the same way. If you're not in the book, I'm not answering. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show today. No, thank you for the. I appreciate it. All right. This wraps up our episode of social capital. Huge. Thank you to Brad for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have an amazing day. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.